sermon by saying, let us remember Let us remember the words of Psalm 118, 22 to 24. The same stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it, it is, is marvelous in our eyes. On this day the Lord has acted. We will rejoice and not cry <laughs> and be glad in it. Let's take a walk. Uh, I started thinking about today's sermon weeks ago. Uh, I actually had a, this grand scheme in mind. I was going to pe preach a three-part series. So I did part one. Uh, it was two or three weeks ago. <clears throat> we were missed one Sunday. We were out of town. And then I did part two last Sunday, and this was going to be part three, but I'm not doing that. Uh, as it got closer, I, I realized that I just wanted to talk, share my heart. Micah 6, 7, and 8 says, uh, if you want to hear a really good sermon, just ask me and I'll give you some links to some <laughs> people who really can preach. Micah 6, 7, and 8 says, Does the Lord take pleasure in thousands of realms, in ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give him my firstborn for my wrongdoings, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, mortal one, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Walking has always seemed to be a significant part of my life. I enjoy walking. Uh, even before it became a necessity for my health's sake, I enjoyed walking and I would find time from time sporadically, never never consistently, but I'd find time to get away and walk in the woods along a river creek. Sometimes uh, just to be, just to find the solitude and to have time to be quiet and to reflect. I've also come to realize that our life is, is a walk. And as, as believers, we walk uh, through our life with the Lord. So, uh, I, didn't, I didn't want today to be just my story and all about me, but there's just some things that I wanted to share that are about me. <laughs> So it's, if it ends up being mostly that, so be it. Um, you know, those of you who know me know that I was raised in a very different tradition than this. <laughs> a Pentecostal church, um, 
which I'm very grateful for. Um, very much blessed to have Christian parents who believed and lived their faith. My mom still does in front of me in amazing ways. Um, but Sandra and I started our family and started uh, living out our own faith. A, a few, there were a few turn, turnstiles. There was a few significant events that looking backwards at the time I, it was just another day, just another book, just another message that I heard or book that I read. But uh, as it has seasoned over the years I recognize it was pivotal in some way or other uh, shaping me to be who I am today. And one of those books was a book called Dangerous Wonder. Dangerous Wonder, The Adventure of Childlike Faith by Michael Iaconelli. <clears throat> like so many other great believers of today, uh, Keith Green, Rich Mullins, Mike died way too young in a traffic accident. But uh, he wrote a couple. He wrote this book, and he wrote another book called Messy Spirituality. And they're very unconventional books. But uh, this book just opened me up to a much. As I understand it, we all see the world through a lens. We we filter everything through a way of understanding that's based upon the home we grew up in, the church we were raised in, you know, what we've been taught in school. We interpret life through these lenses and books like Dangerous Wonder just broadened my, gave me a wider view from being a very narrow, very narrow view to a little bit wider and things like that keep happening. Still happen in my life. <clears throat> I heard uh, our patriarch of the Charismatic Episcopal Church, Craig Bates, when he came to Selma to preach Bishop Chuck's wife's funeral, uh, he, said, he said, when I finished seminary as a young man, I had three folders. Uh, a really fat folder was all the things that I knew. Then there was a thin folder of some things that I weren't sure about, but I had a pretty good idea. And then there was a last folder that had a few things in it that I just had no clue. And as I got older and lived life, and he's a few years older than me now, he said, I realized that that first folder is a whole lot lighter than it used to be. And that last folder is very thick. <laughs> so, it's just, <clears throat> that's true for me too. Um, another book, oh, yeah, Michael's book, I picked, I've brought it up on my Kindle this morning and skimmed a couple of paragraphs and just, I had to stop. <laughs> and uh, I told Sandra about it. She said, you're going to read from Michael Yacanelli today? And I said, I'm not even going to try. It's just, I connect. I mean, you might read it and think it's the, the dumbest thing you've ever, <laughs> you've ever come across, but it's, I connect with it in such a powerful way, still. 
Uh, another, only one more book, I'm, or author, not, not a particular book, but an author who's had a, I never met him, never heard him speak, but uh, he's had a, in many ways, he's had a very powerful impact on who I am today, and that's Robert Weber. And he's responsible, or he contributed a great deal to this, this idea that the charismatic Episcopal Church was formed out of, and that is, it's a desire to take from the evangelical church, take some things from the evangelical tradition, take some things from the historical liturgical tradition, like the way we dress and the altar and the candles and the incense and some of the other things, <clears throat> as well as celebrating the Lord's Supper each time Sunday. And also take some things from the Pentecostal charismatic tradition. And if you put all that together, you create a church that no matter what your background is, when you visit, you're going to be offended by something. <laughs> it's not a good church growth plan. <laughs> but it's been very good for Sandra and I. Uh, from, the, from the time we first encountered it, began to learn about it, we felt like we found our home, and for the first time, I felt like I was a part of something where I was being led instead of trying to pull other people in my direction. So, 21 years ago, Easter Sunday, this parish met for the first time as a parish in the back of a shoe store. Uh, in downtown Northport, Greg Evans owned the store and we'd been having Bible study there for months. He, uh, he thought it was time to start meeting and there was probably 40 or 50 maybe people there that first Sunday. And uh, the attendance went up and down those first few years but during the time he was here it, it was this place was full most Sundays once we got this building. <clears throat> so uh, the name of the church was St. Mary Magdalene to start with. And it's just uh, so many things happened with these lectionary readings over the years that's unexplainable. And I don't want to put too much uh, emphasis or, or power in it, but it's just affirming to me when these ra seemingly random readings that repeat on a three-year cycle happen to fall and, and line up with other events like the gospel reading, which is most of the readings in, on Easter Sunday have that story and from one gospel or the other that we read today, but still it was a reminder to me of, my, of our roots here. Uh, and all the many people and wonderful things that have happened down through the years. Not long after the church started, Sandra and I f found a fixer-upper home in Northport, right over here on 5th Street, and we made a low-ball offer, and to our dismay and somewhat terror, they accepted it. <laughs> so, <coughs> Bill knows what that's like. So with a lot of help and uh, way more money than we ever expected, we've, 
we've uh, built a home here in Northport of all places. Um, I don't know if you caught it, there was a phrase in the gospel reading that said that and the disciples, when they looked at the empty tomb, they weren't sure what was happening because as of yet they did not know the gospel. They did not know, even though Jesus has told them multiple times, I'm going to be killed, be dead three days and rise, it didn't stick. It didn't, it, it didn't gel for whatever reason until later when the Holy Spirit fell and they began to, I guess they remembered, to, they began to discuss and remember. <clears throat> uh, one of the things that I wanted to mention today as I'm rambling about is, uh, and another author, is the role of pain in our life. And as we're talking about walking, I've learned that sometimes you just have to walk through the pain and, let, and, and, and live with the pain. And sometimes the pain goes away and sometimes it never goes away. But Paul Brand wrote a book together with Philip Yancey, The Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. Uh, but that's not where I first heard of Paul Brand. I heard of him when Sandra came home from a, a CEU <coughs> trip that she made with a, with a friend down to Carville, Louisiana, and heard Paul Brand speak on the role of pain. He, he was a child of missionaries, born in China. He became a doctor or surgeon and was the world's leading expert on leprosy. And he discovered that leprosy was not a skin disease at all, but an infection caused by the loss of the sensation of pain. And, uh, you know, there's been, most, most of us go through life pretty ordinary. Uh, you know, a hundred years from now, there'll be little evidence that I ever lived, except for, <clears throat> of course, the contributions I've con con made to the gene pool, but that won't be identifiable. <clears throat> but then you have others like Paul Brand who, and, and many, many others who make such uh, earth shattering or, or, you know, change the rules of, of life. But uh, you know, it doesn't really matter, in my opinion, uh, since you asked. Uh, which side of the spectrum you're on. What my goal has been for many years now is to be like the, what the, the Apostle Paul described himself in Philippians. And I'm not there. I'll never be there. Sandra can tell you I'm not there after the last few months. But Paul said he had learned to be content in whatever circumstances he was in. And it's hard to be content when you want something really bad and you don't know if you're going to get it or not. It's hard to be content when you're living with excruciating pain, whether it's physical pain, emotional pain, financial pain, uh, pain from fear, which is the source of a lot of pain. It's just anxiety, fear, uncertainty, 
and uh, especially in a culture that's constantly inundated with news that's meant to hype up your fear and anxiety and distrust of others. Again, I'm just hitting bullet points here, forgive me for being so scattered, but one of the turning ev events in our life, in my life, was learning what it's like to have a bishop. We, I serve here today at the request of Bishop Chuck Jones, who lives down in Selma and pastors a church there. And I don't believe, I'm not convinced that there's a best way of doing church. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty broad-minded when it comes to the different methods and means that that men and women have figured out to try to be the church, to, to practice church. But I have definitely seen some benefits in my life of being in a system where a, a failed man, a broken man, a man with flaws, but still is he's in an office that gives him the responsibility and the um, authority to make some decisions that are not up to the whim of the majority of uh, people who can be very fickle. So again, it's, there's been a lot of uh, pain caused from regardless, I think churches have caused probably as much pain as any other human organization regardless of how they're organized uh, but in my experience and and I have a few friends who have also voiced the blessing it is to serve under a bishop I put on a frame this verse over here under the cross just above the little finger bowl that we try to keep some water in. Uh, Romans 6, 4, and I try to quote it, but I get it all messed up. Um, but it's talking about baptism and that we have died with Christ. We were buried with Christ in baptism in order that we may be raised to newness of life so it's in that new seeking that newness of life is seeking that the song talked about that we worship with talked about God so loved the world that he gave Jesus that we might find freedom and that newness of life is about finding freedom and the only place I have found freedom is in truth Jesus is the truth. In my mind, if something is true, it originated from Jesus. So, or God. All truth, up in my estimation, is originates from God. So I'm, I'm not afraid of truth, even though it can be from a source that outside of Scripture, as long as it's not contradicting Scripture. Uh, but freedom and contentment and newness of life another phrase that's in one of the prayers we pray at the end of the service is to, 
to serve the Lord in singleness of mind. And I know what it's like to be double-minded. I know what it's like to compartmentalize my life and, and to be one Ronnie when I'm at home with my family, another Ronnie when I'm with my work co-workers, another Ronnie when I'm, you know, out in the woods by myself and, and so on and so forth. Um, but I'm finding more peace and contentment as I try to focus on and strive to become single-minded. Yeah, I thought that would happen. My, uh, my life verse, Psalm 131, in the Book of Common Prayer to the 1979 version of it, it reads, O oh Lord, I am not proud. I have no haughty looks. I do not occupy myself with great matters or with things that are too hard for me. But I still my soul and make it quiet. Like a child upon her mother's breast, my soul is quieted within me. O Israel, wait upon the Lord from this time forth forevermore. Well, there's a lot more I'd like to say, but I'm going to have to close. We have another congregation that comes to use our building now, so we're on a more structured time than than we were for many years but uh, I guess my prayer is for my family friends and neighbors that being freed from anxiety they may live in joy peace and health amen Let's stand together and declare our common faith through the words of the Nicene Creed.